Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 13th, 2024. It's been 3,669 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 354 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Monday and Tuesday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. There are map updates. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. We maintain that the US has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 2. We assess that the acute shortage of ammunition is directly impacting the battlefield and contributing to recent Russian advances. 3. The early and likely temporary arrival of Bezdorizhia may slow the operational tempo due to poor tractability. 4. The operational situation for Ukrainian troops in the Avdiivka area of operation remains in a critical state. 5. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 6. Russian forces have restarted the offensive to capture Chasiv Yar west of Bakhmut. 7. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 8. Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is fast-tracking its transition into fascist state. In the medium and long term, this shift will further endanger global security and stability. 9. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the areas of Sinkivka and west of Orlanska. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian troops continued their attempts to advance in the area of Tabaevka. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk Oblast, mutual fighting continued east of Terny and Yampolivka. We adjusted the war map, showing a Russian advance toward Terny. The geolocated proof of Russian troops in the area is something we've never seen before. Video captured by a Ukrainian drone showed the Russians fighting amongst themselves in a forested patch. The map team said to give it to them, so the map was updated. 
Southwest of Kremina, armored returned to their traditional report of Ukrainian forces on the offensive in the area of Dubrova. In the Lysychansky armored claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Bilohorivka. Next, let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeastern Donetsk Oblast. In the Bakhmutyo, Russian forces were unable to consolidate their positions after advancing west of Bogdanivka. The spokesman for Operational Command East, Ilya Yevlash, said, quote, Most often, the Russians send forward the Storm Z and Storm V units. In addition, prisoners from these units are used to detect minefields and fire points, unquote. Based on the new intelligence, we updated the map, pulling the line of conflict away from Chasivyar. For the south, Russian forces did make marginal gains near Hromove, in the direction of Ivanivska. In the Klishivka AO, fighting continued north and east of Klishivka and Andreevka. In southwestern Donetsk Oblast, the advance of Russian forces in the Avdiivka AO has slowed, but the situation remains critical. On the northern flank, Russian forces renewed their efforts to advance in the direction of Novobakhmutivka from the railroad grade and were unsuccessful. Fighting continued southeast of the Avdivka coke plant, with Russian forces measuring advances toward the intersection of the T-542 highway and Industrialny Prospect in meters. United States news agency Forbes reported that Ukraine was deploying the 3rd Separate Assault Brigade, which was rotated from the Klishivka AO in December for rest and reconstitution. The article claims that the unit, with experience in house-to-house and cellar-to-cellar fighting, will be tasked with stabilizing Ukrainian ground lines of communications. We moved the line of conflict back from the swimming beach at the sand quarry. This wasn't a new territorial change. The update was made due to better intelligence. Russia continues to drop 40 to 50 glide bombs a day on the settlement, ranging from 250 to 1500 kilograms. On the southern flank, fighting continued in the industrial district and near the Tsarska Ohota resort. Russian forces made marginal gains toward the T-505 highway. For the west, Russian forces tried to advance through the no-man's land between Vodyane, Severne and Tonenke, with no change in the situation. There were no reports of fighting in or near Pervomaiske, but in our assessment it almost certainly continued. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske without success. The settlement of Selidova was hit by three S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for ground attack, wounding a pensioner and two children. Fifteen houses were damaged. In the Marinka AO, fighting continued on the eastern edge of Georgievka and northeast of Pobeda, with no change in the situation. In the Vuhledar AO, Russian forces made multiple attacks on the southeastern and eastern edges of Novomikhailivka, supported by their aerospace forces, but failed to make new territorial gains. In the Staromlinivka AO, Russian forces tried to advance from Novomayorske in the direction of Prechistivka, suffered losses and returned to their defensive positions. Armand claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive near Priyutne. I have updates from Western and Central Ukraine. In Dnipropetrovsk oblast, the Shahid-136 one-way drones that struck the Pavlograd region during the evening of February the 11th targeted a 330-kilovolt electrical substation and caused heavy damage. Power was knocked out to 53,000 subscribers, 
and 1,000 coal miners were briefly trapped due to the outage. Power was restored to 40,000 before a combined missile and drone attack on Dnipro seriously damaged a thermal power plant. There were no injuries, but the new power outage knocked out water in parts of the city. A suspect has been arrested and accused of murdering the deputy mayor of Nikopol. Investigators said the person fired 20 shots at the deputy mayor and then threw a hand grenade into his car. Prosecutors have not shared a motive. In the Kirovograd region, there was a missile strike in Kropovnitsky district. Kirovograd Oblast administrative and military governor Andrei Raikovich asked for operational security to be maintained. Here is my theater-wide update. Ukraine is planning to expand its internally developed Pokrov electronic warfare system. Pokrov has passed field testing by demonstrating its effectiveness in disrupting Shahed-136 and other weapons dependent on satellite navigation. Instead of using spoofing, the EW system overloads the navigation system with digital noise, essentially blinding the drones. Ukrainian engineers developed Pokrov by examining Shahed debris and looking for weaknesses. Ukraine started using the Vampire air defense system to down Russian drones. Vampire is developed in the United States and is palletalized, so it can be quickly installed in the back of a pickup truck. The short-range air defense rockets are laser-guided. It is unclear if any more ammunition will be made available. Two damaged M142 guided multiple launch rocket systems, better known as HIMARS, were photographed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The vehicles arrived on a Ukrainian Air Force Un-124 for repair. One had moderate shrapnel damage to the cab, and the other was missing a wheel, with damage suggesting it ran over a mine. Russia has claimed to have destroyed more than double the number of M142s shipped to Ukraine including one as recently as last week. Investigators with the Kyiv Scientific Research Institute of Forensic Examinations determined that the missile debris collected on February 7 was from a Russian 3M22 Zircon hypersonic missile. It remains unclear why Russia used a single anti-ship Zircon in the attack on Kyiv. Information that was shared with our team indicates the missile never achieved hypersonic flight. It is unknown if this was due to Russia misrepresenting the missile's capabilities or if the liquid-fuel scramjet failed to start. President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky signed the law of the 90-day extension of mobilization and martial law through May 13. Secretary of Defense for the United States Lloyd Austin will not attend the NATO Ministers of Defense meeting on February 15 of the 19th meeting of the Ukrainian Defense Contact Group due to health reasons. Over the weekend, Secretary Austin was rushed to Walter Reed Medical Center due to post-surgical complications from his January treatment for prostate cancer. The main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, UHUR, said that Starlink Internet terminals are freely on the territory of the Russian Federation. Russians from Moscow shared a video showing drones and Starlink terminals, both blocked by sanctions, freely available. St. Petersburg-based propagandist Roman Saponkov wrote, quote, In Russia, they actually opened the sale of Starlinks activated through other countries. They had been hauled in before, but for the most part, they were blocked after a short time of use. 
Now, gray market dealers claim that they have learned to avoid blocks. Unquote. The European Union Council approved a resolution that will permit the profits from Russian assets frozen by European banks to be transferred to Ukraine. Deposits larger than 1 million euros from the Russian Central Bank must put the income received into a separate account. Those funds would be transferred to the EU budget and directed to the Ukraine aid fund. German arms maker Rheinmetall broke ground on a new ammunition factory that will be completed in 2025. The new plant will be capable of making 200,000 155mm artillery shells a year. The CEO of Rheinmetall, Armin Paperger, said that the company was only capable of meeting one-third of Ukraine's needs when it reaches annual production of 700,000 shells later this year. Quick assessment. For Ukraine to fire 7,000 artillery rounds a day, Kyiv needs 2.6 million 122, 152 and 155 mm artillery rounds in any combination, along with 122 mm rockets for tubed artillery. We had previously assessed that Ukraine is on a starvation diet of 2,000 artillery rounds per day, with little chance this will improve in 2024. Despite a massive disinformation campaign, the United States Senate voted to move forward with the military aid package for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan, 66-33. The two-thirds majority approval prevents a Senate filibuster. The Senate could approve the bill as early as today. House Speaker Mike Johnson vowed not to bring the bill to a vote, claiming that border and immigration reform must be passed first. Quote, in the absence of having received any single border policy change from the Senate, the House will have to continue to work its own will on these important matters. Unquote. This is a shift in position from Speaker Johnson. Last week, he tried to advance a bill that would have provided military aid to Israel, which failed to advance. The week prior, the Speaker refused to advance any border or immigration border reform measures claiming the issue can't be solved in 2024. It's time for Mobix, Mobilization and Mir. An extremely graphic video found on a dead Russian soldier's cell phone shows that Russian blocking troops are hanging refuseniks. The video shows the soldier hung in a tree with a sign around his neck that loosely translates to he refused to follow orders. We'll link to the video in our daily situation report, and there is more information in the podcast description, but viewer discretion is advised. Another assessment. There has been a sharp increase in reports that blocking troops and political officers are killing Russian soldiers, even among once elite units like 155th Naval Infantry Brigade. The increase started at the same time Russia began the second phase of its winter offensive in mid-January. If this is what Russian troops are doing to their own, just imagine what is happening to Ukrainians under occupation and prisoners of war. And when you get the idea, multiply by 10. Frustrated Russian soldiers shared a video of recently received Mon-50 directional mines with a small production issue. They contain no explosives or shrapnel, rendering them useless. Our war crimes and human rights section sometimes discusses abuses and atrocities. 
including graphic details of torture, abuse and gender-based violence. Today's report does not contain any graphic content. Since Russia expanded its war of aggression two years ago, 1,525 hospitals and medical facilities have been destroyed or damaged, with 196 irreparable. Ukraine has been able to restore 504 facilities and partially repair another 361. Most of the work has occurred in the Mykolaiv, Dnipropetrovsk, Kyiv, Kharkiv and Chernihiv oblasts. An 80-year-old pensioner who was stuck in occupied Donetsk refused Russian passportization and had her pension cut off. With limited mobility, she was left with no way to provide for herself. Aid organizations were able to get Antonina, who was only identified by her first name, back to Ukraine on a journey that took her through Russia, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland. She is now living with her daughter in Lviv. There continue to be geopolitical shockwaves from a campaign speech made by former US President Donald Trump. European shock boiled over into anger. The High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Josep Borrell, said, quote, NATO cannot be a military alliance at will, cannot be a military alliance that works, depending on the mood of the US President. It does not work like this, today one way, tomorrow another, depending on who you are. Unquote. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz vowed, quote, Germany is ready to defend every centimeter of NATO. And then, quote, NATO's promise of protection is applied unconditionally, all for one, one for all. He went on to say, quote, any ties of aid guarantees by NATO is irresponsible and dangerous and only serves the interests of Russia. Nobody should play with or deal with the security of Europe. Unquote. Polish Defense Minister Vladislav Koshinyak Kamesh said quote, Undermining the credibility of allied countries means weakening the entire North Atlantic Treaty Organization. No election campaign is an excuse for playing with the security of the alliance. Unquote. The Minister for European and Foreign Affairs of France, Stéphane Sejourné, when asked by a reporter of new defense agreements need to be formed, called for a second alliance besides NATO. Quote, yes, we need a second life insurance, not instead of or against NATO, but in addition to it. Unquote. The Prime Minister of Estonia, Kaya Kallas, took a more measured tone, saying, quote, I think what the presidential candidate in America said is also something to maybe wake up some of the allies who haven't done that much." Unquote. Are all NATO countries paying their fair share? Of the 31 countries that make up the NATO alliance, 11 are spending at least 2% of their GDP on defense. Another three, France, Montenegro and North Macedonia, are close at 1.9%. Luxembourg, Belgium, Spain, Turkey and Slovenia make up the bottom five. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.